Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of Covenant Conversations. I'm Peter Washkowitz, and with me today is Julian Boulon, who is a member of the Covenant's team here in the U.S. I, I sit next to Julian, and I used to see him every day. Now I've seen him on Slack every now and then, uh, rather on Zoom. So, uh, Julian, it's nice to catch up. I'm How doing well, Peter. Thanks. How are you? I, I'm good. Um, you, you know, so so for the past couple months, we have talked on uh, past episodes about uh, companies' ability to raise and seek liquidity. We've kind of talked about how uh, a multitude of companies have uh, tapped their revolvers, uh, either fully or partially. Um, a number of them have also accessed the capital markets. Uh, but now, with the coronavirus uh, seeming to kind of increase in frequency uh, rather than decreasing, it looks like, or you know, it, the potential for liquidity concerns to reemerge is uh, it would not be surprising. And for a lot of these smaller companies, you know, who fully tapped their revolvers and who can't or either have or can't uh, access the capital markets anymore, they're going to need to turn to some additional uh, sources of liquidity. And Julian, I know you have been looking into one of these ways. So uh, why don't you tell our listeners what you have been looking into? Sure. Thanks, Peter. Uh, so this past week, I looked into a handful of companies that have um, received investments from private equity firms, uh, so-called pipe investments, which uh, are, means private investment in public equity. Um, these investments are have been in the form of convertible preferred equity, which is a hybrid instrument with both debt and equity-like features that is typically senior in the capital structure to a company's common stock, but junior to its debt. Um, in, most, in most instances of these investments, the private equity sponsors putting in the new money received at least one seat on these companies' boards of directors. So um, it, there are some interesting features in these convertible preferred equity instruments that have different implications under the company's existing debt documents than you would see triggered under, for example, a, a revolver drawdown or a new common equity issuance. Uh, so, it, so yeah, so I mean, it seems to me kind of the issues clearly would be, um, you know, companies are getting money in, so maybe that adds to cash balance. I don't know. Maybe there's an equity issue, and so it might add to dividend capacity. And then you also have these new private equity companies, you know, who are now on the boards of these companies. So um, how do, you know, so, so let's start with the kind of the, the cash inflow. How, how is that handled under these companies' debt documents? Sure. So... Well, the cash inflow for all of these companies receiving these pipe investments, um, the, the first result is that it inke- increases cash on the balance sheet. Um, and so for companies that have um, unlimited net uh, cash netting permitted uh, when calculating their encouraged ratios, their, their leverage ratios, for example, those, those companies are going to benefit from that extra cash. It, it's going to end up decreasing leverage. Um, what is interesting for certain of these names is that the cash investment can also increase builder capacity, uh, which will permit uh, the recipient of the investment to make additional restricted payments, prepayments of junior debt, uh, and investments in unrestricted subsidiaries. So wh- which companies have you looked at and, and which companies um, have, you know, uh, which, which companies' debt documents uh, will allow them to have added capacity under their builders for additional dividends and uh, unrestricted subtransfers. Sure. So I've looked at a bunch of different companies, but the ones that I, I took a deeper dive into this week were uh, EVO Payments, Cheesecake Factory, Benefit Focus, uh, and uh, Covitris. Um, the the two names that were really interesting out of that group of four were EVO Payments and Covitris. So we'll start with with EVO Payments, which is um, which, which is basically a card based uh, payment services provider. 
the the builder basket in EVO payments debt documents allows uh, it, new investments to build builder capacity so long as the, um, the, the instrument doesn't carry mandatory dividends that are payable only in cash. So what's interesting about the investment in EVO is that the, the dividends are actually payable uh, on, on the preferred equity are only payable uh, in kind or, or in pick, uh, which means that they likely qualify as what's called qualified capital stock which long story short uh, means that the money that was put in by the sponsor, in this case, uh, Madison Dearborn Partners, uh, that's permitted to be paid out um, of the builder basket. Interesting. interesting. So, um, so essentially what, what, how, how this is treated is uh, the company has essentially issued equity here. It's in the form of the convertible preferred uh, equity in return for an investment. And because uh, in EVO case, in EVO's case, um, the, the, the convertible preferred shares don't require uh, a, cash, a cash dividend, so essentially, you know, like a, akin to an interest payment. Um, and because it's only a pick payment, um, they, that, the amount of money they receive from that essentially uh, equity issuance will add, will, will increase capacity under the building. Yeah, yes, that that, right? that's correct. And, and, that, and, it, and it makes sense that, that the documents are structured that way, because if new equity comes in, um, without something like a mandatory dividend, the thinking is, well, that should be able to be taken right back out for something like restricted payments. Um, but in the case of an investment that's a little bit more like debt that carries a mandatory dividend, um, in, in that case, there, there are usually some restrictions. But in this case, since the dividend is payable only in qualified stock, the, that restriction doesn't apply. All right. Yeah, that, that does make sense. And, and what was the second company that, that you said was interesting? Sure. The, the second company is Covitris, which is an uh, animal uh, care services provider. Uh, that, th in the case of that preferred equity, the, um, the convertibles carry a mandatory dividend that's payable in cash or pick at the company's option. Um, and, and under Covitris's debt documents, the, the, the requirement is, is that um, you can only build builder capacity with um, preferred equity investments that are payable solely in stock, or in other words, payable solely in pick, um, or, or, or a similar non-cash uh, consideration. So because Covitris's dividend, mandatory dividend, is payable in cash or pick, that means that the, uh, the builder doesn't get increased by the amount of the investment. So if it only required pick, it, it would be included, but because it, it's, it's cash or pick, even though it's at the company's option. So even if the company said, all right, I'm just going to pay pick the whole time, it doesn't matter because uh, the exclusion is, is for dividends that are solely uh, paid in pick, regardless of what eventually is, even if eventually the only form of, of the dividend is in pick. It has to just be in pick. That's correct. Interesting. And so you mentioned that um, that uh, the, these private equity sponsors who have made these investments, they get a board seat. Is that is that the case for all four of the companies that you've looked yes, at? Yes, that is the case for all, all of the companies I've looked at. And, and in most cases, um, the ability to appoint a director is conditioned on the, the private equity sponsor holding a certain minimum uh, percentage of the uh, issued preferred shares, uh, usually over a, something around a majority, but um, it, it may be lower in some cases. Oh, so I right, so so you know I I imagine a lot of these companies that will receive these pipe investments are going to be kind of smaller companies that really have no alternative uh, sources to uh, to tap. Uh, so I guess it's interesting because now a lot of these smaller companies that you know otherwise we wouldn't really kind of 
you know, do a deep dive into, you know, let's say value leakage, uh, value leakage either through a dividend or unrestricted sub transfer. Now they have these private equity sponsors on their board. And, you know, if things get worse or if things actually get, get materially better and, and uh, you know, these companies can pay, you know, do a dividend recap. Uh, some of these companies, it wouldn't be surprising to kind of see them turn to these aggressive maneuvers now that they are influenced in part. Uh, you know, by private equity sponsors. I, I agree with that, Peter. I mean, all of these names that that are um, you know getting involved in these kinds of investments, uh, they're they're sophisticated parties who who know how to execute those kinds of transactions you're talking about. All right, that, so that's really interesting. So um, you know, so we've only really focused on on revolvers, uh, on revolver draws, and capital market uh, capital market raises, but uh, these pipe transactions now represent kind of a I, I guess almost like a third viable path of liquidity, and given um, you know, there's more and more uncertainty as to when, you know, uh, the, the global economy will, you know, fully reopen, uh, you know, let alone uh, fully recover. I, you know, I'd imagine it, it wouldn't be too surprising to see more and more of, uh, especially smaller companies, kind of tap these uh, pipe deals uh, as a new source of liquidity. Yep. And we're, we're keeping an eye out for them. All right. Very interesting. Well, uh, Julian, it was uh, it was great to hear your voice and uh, great to catch up. And um and I hope you come join us again. That was actually, that was very, uh, that was very interesting and very important. Thanks, Peter. Uh, enjoyed being here.